When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk some college football. Really good slate tomorrow, man. There's a lot to get to here. Mm-hmm. So let's start with a couple of these games. And a couple of these, I see we're on the same side. So I could be really quickly and let you kind of take over because I feel like I have over 15 plays this weekend. And I'm going to have some more probably by the end of the night as well. Let's start with my favorite one this weekend. And let's see where these numbers are too because some of the stuff is moving around a little bit. I bet Missouri. So Missouri opened up actually as a six-point underdog in this game. And then it went all the way. I believe we're sitting there. Let me get right back really quickly. Sorry yeah, to my upcoming three and games. A half, I think Are we still so. at three and a half right now? I believe so. All right. Yeah, I have Missouri plus four. I didn't get the six. Uh, I still like three and a half. I like it all the way yep. down to three. Three and a half. If you look at their schedule, their upcoming squ- schedule, man, Missouri, if they want to make a bowl game, if they want to play in a bowl this season, they're probably going to need to win this game. Because after this game, you look at their remaining schedule, Kentucky, Tennessee and Arkansas. And they've already played a really tough schedule this season. Like they had that close loss to Georgia mm-hmm. when realistically they should have won that game. Stetson Bennett was lights out in the second they half. Should've. They were favored in the fourth quarter. They had a double digit lead. Yeah. I live bet Georgia in that game. So did I. Uh, South Carolina's made me a bunch of money the last couple weeks, but I'm just not really buying into them as a football team right no. now. Rattler stinks. I do so many hits throughout the week, and I did a couple of Tristas for her because she's out in. Um, Cambodia this week, you know, nice. and so I forgot and she travels fast. I actually forgot I was on in South Carolina today and I said all this and I was like, yeah, I'm just not buying into South Carolina right now. Spencer Rattler doesn't look great. I know they could run the football, but I think this is going to be a bad matchup because, you know, look at last week, for example, against A&M Haynes King, who's already the backup quarterback and terrible. He gets hurt and they were still moving the ball. A&M was a little bit you know, the week before that, they play Kentucky without Will Levis. So look at their victories, man. Some of these wins look nice, but beating Kentucky without Will Levis doesn't really impress me. And Missouri has an elite defense. They're 11th in the nation right now at creating havoc. They could get after the quarterback. Yep. They could force turnovers. I really like their linebacker, Tyron Hopper. He's a ball hawk. You saw that against Georgia. Pro Football Focus right now has him as one of their uh, top run stoppers in all of college football. He had that return fumble in the game against Georgia, and their defense is 14th overall right now in EPA margin. Their new defensive coordinator, Blake Baker, has done really solid just in one year, man, because they were a mess last year. Pro Football Focus has them 21st right now in pass rush grading, so I just think that they're going to be able to contain the line of scrimmage, which is going to force Spencer Rattler to have to drop back in this game, and that's not what you want to see, especially when he's under pressure. This is the worst year he's had. Remember last year when Spencer Rattler was the leading candidate to win Heisman? and people were projecting him as the number one rated quarterback to come out in the draft. This year, he has 11 big-time throws to just to, uh, I mean, to a 14 turnover-worthy plays. He's actually thrown more interceptions than touchdowns. And wow. if you look at his numbers, when he has a clean pocket, he looks like a Heisman candidate. 78% completion percentage, but when he's under pressure, that dips all the way down to 31%. So I like Missouri in this spot. Again, they need this one if they want to be around bowl season. They got a tough defense. I think they're going to force Rattler to uh, make some mistakes in this game. The other one I really like, and hate giving this out because we gave it out last week, and it looked really good. They had an 18-point lead in the game against TCU, and then every single quarterback dies. They were on their third-string quarterback. But I'm going back to Kansas State. I played them on the money line in this game. It's one and a half right now. 
Hopefully we don't see the third string quarterback. We still really don't know what's going on with Adrian Martinez. We don't know if he's going to play. And it's funny that I really want Adrian Martinez in this game because he's cost me so much money at Nebraska the last couple of years. But he hasn't turned the ball over. He was on pace to rush for over 1,000 yards. And I love Deuce Vaughn. The problem with Deuce Vaughn, I'm hearing he's not fully healthy and he might not be able to take on a full workload in this game. But still, man, like you look at this matchup, I think this is the perfect letdown spot for Oklahoma State. They did beat Texas last week, but they had no business winning that game. Quinn Ewers was terrible, which is probably why Arch Manning announced today that he's arriving on campus a little early. I saw that. Three picks and 14 penalties. To zero. So you're not going to see that again, I don't think. Uh, Oklahoma State didn't have a penalty? They didn't have a penalty in that game. 14 to zero was the penalty discrepancy in that game, dude. And I don't know if we're going to see Adrian Martinez, like I said, but in his presser this week, you know, the coaching staff pretty much confirmed that we will see Will Howard. And he was making some plays when he came in in that game, uh, you know, the first half before he got knocked out of that game. So as long as Deuce Vaughn can touch the ball 15, 16 times, I think he'll have a monster game, man. Oklahoma State... As tough as they've been defensively the last couple of years, not really this year. They're giving up over 140 rushing yards, 146 to be exact, which is third worst in the Big 12. Spencer Sanders also dinged up right now dealing with an injury. And I think Oklahoma State, you know, they've struggled to run the ball. They're outside the top 80 and rush success rate and EPA per rush. And we know that Kansas State could stuff the run a little bit. So I think they're going to force Spencer Sanders, again, like I said in that first matchup to make some plays. I don't know if he's going to be able to do so if he's dinged up. I like Kansas State to bounce back after last week, pick up the outright victory. So we'll go Kansas State money line in this game. Here is not a homer play, but I did bet Notre Dame. This line's been bouncing all over the place. So I don't like Notre Dame at two and a half, Hmm. but I do like Notre Dame at three, even though I think they'll probably win the game. This opened up where Cuse was a favorite in the game. I'm sorry, on the look ahead line early season, Notre Dame was favored in the game. Then we got a glimpse of what Notre Dame looked like, especially their passing offense. And Syracuse was favored. Just coming into the season, I expected nothing from the passing game, but it's actually been worse than expected for Notre Dame. Drew Pine, terrible. Lack of talent in the wide receiver room because Brian Kelly doesn't like to recruit wide receivers. You know, we have a great tight end room. Michael Mayer, baby Gronk, he's been solid. Their offensive line's been very solid. But the good thing for Notre Dame the last couple weeks, and I know they didn't cover for us last week, but they have finally figured out, oh, yeah, we're a running football team, and we have one of the better offensive lines in all of college football, even though it was shaky to start the year. And now they're running for over 223 yards per game. They rushed for over 230 against UNLV last week, even though they couldn't cover the spread. Passing game, brutal, 101st in the country, only 208 yards per game for Pine. But we faded, I faded Syracuse last week. I'm going to do it again here. I I know that they probably should have actually won that game, but if you look at the advanced score, man, the advanced uh, box score metrics in this one, I just think this is a perfect letdown spot. So a tough loss to uh, to Clemson last week. They're 13 and a half point dogs. So there goes the undefeated season. And if you listen to the coaching staff talk this week, including Dino, they keep bringing up just how happy they are to be bowl eligible which I think means they're looking ahead at their upcoming schedule like, all right, we're just happy to be where we're at. Yep. We're relevant. We're a solid football team. We'll be around bowl season. But I don't think they expected to win the ACC or go undefeated, no. even if they think they should have won that game. Right. I mean, Clemson dominated them in that game, man. Like they, they had to replace DJ because he kept turning the football over, but they just couldn't stop Clemson on the ground. Shipley, I believe that was a career-high rushing yards for him in that game. They couldn't stop him. And even though they covered, man, there's no way they cover that spread if DJ doesn't turn the ball over. Syracuse got outgained in that game, and we keep talking about their defense, how they're elite. 450 
to 291 in total yards, but they obviously benefit from that 4-1 to turnover advantage because, again, DJ was terrible. Yep. And then you look at what Notre Dame has been doing. Again, running the football man, the offensive line, top 25 in the country in pretty much every statistical category. And I think they'll be able to do that against Syracuse here. As long as they don't throw the ball, I think Notre Dame could keep this close. And it's also a perfect spot for Notre Dame here. 35-20 and 20 against the spread against ranked opponents. 12-3 and three over the last five years. I know this is a new coaching staff, obviously, with Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese still calling the plays. But I like them. I like West Virginia plus 7.5. I know that's one of your favorite plays. So mm-hmm. I'm going to let you break that one down. I think we're going to probably have that one for the same reason. So yep. I'm going to add a different one that I did not bet until earlier today. I'm going to take Central Florida on the money line against Cincinnati. It's kind of a little bit of a hedge because I played Cincinnati to win the conference. Yep. Thinking, all right, man, I love Fickle. I know they lost so much, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're just not as tough up front. The secondary is obviously taking a step back. Look at the guys they lost. You expect that. Same thing on the offensive side of the ball. And I know they're 6-1, but they haven't really looked great. They've won six straight games, but they're 0-2-1 against the spread in the AAC. And those games were against Tulsa, SMU, in South Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Central Florida is not perfect, but what could they do? They'd run the football 240 rushing yards per game. We saw this last week, you know, in a primetime spot with Plumlee. I just think they're going to be able to run all over Cincinnati in this spot. It's at the bounce house. That that's place is going to be absolutely rocking. I mm-hmm. think that's where game day should be. And Luke Fickle. Love the guy, but man, the trends are telling you I think they're the wrong side here. One and eight against the spread when they're ranked on the road against an unranked conference opponent, and they fail the coverage by an average of seven points per game. I know they've been winning these games the last couple of years. I think Central Florida beats them, so I like them on the money line. Love it. I bet Texas A&M plus two and a half. Um, this is just another fade on Ole Miss. I know, yeah. ba- back in Texas A&M, Don't want any part of this game. And I don't even know what their offensive line is going to look like. They added two dudes to the injury report that I didn't even know about. We don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Haynes King got dinged up last week, and he's brutal. It's a mess. But Ole Miss is also all beat up right now. And I said this, Ole Miss is going to start the season 6-0, and and then they're probably going to finish 1-4, and their remaining schedule. A&M's also back home for the first time since September 16th. That's kind of hard to believe. Miami. They haven't played a home game since September. I man. know. Miami was their last home game. So as bad as they've been, they're playing an SEC schedule, majority road games. And if Ole Miss has to rely on Jackson Dart to make throws in this game, I think he's going to turn the ball over at least twice. I think A&M is going to be able to rely on their run game against this overrated Ole Miss defense. I like the Aggies to pull off the outright upset, but I'm going to take that two and a half points in my back pocket. Uh, Another weird one. Why is Louisville down to four? This opened up at five and a half against Wake Forest. There's a couple ACC games this week that are fishy. That one and Pitt only plus three at UNC this week. I grabbed some Louisville here because I have Wake Forest win total over, Mm -hmm. and I just feel like they're on upset watch. This just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I I mean, Wake Forest has been a covering machine. They've covered six of their last eight on the road, so it has nothing to do with home field or you know road advantage. They've covered in seven of their last eight games. They're averaging 41 points per game, which is 10th best in the country. Sam Hartman is the only, we were talking about this, the only ACC quarterback that's really lived up to the hype. Helps that, obviously, uh, Devin Leary is injured right now. And then you have Malik Cunningham. Like, these guys have struggled on the road. He is coming off one of his better performances. He did have a pretty good game against Wake Forest. Looking at it last year, that was his highest single-game total in 2021 or anything he's done this year, 309 passing yards. He's also their leading rusher. I played him really small. I just I, I feel like something's off here, and they're going to be able to keep it close. Wake Forest probably wins this game by a field goal. So I'll take Louisville plus the four. Wish I had the five and a half. And uh, I'm waiting to see where this Penn State game closes. Because Penn State, I just my number doesn't get here. 
I just I feel like I feel like this 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 number is a little too inflated with Ohio State. And I know Ohio State has CJ Stroud and Jack Jackson Smith and the Jigba came back, but he's gonna be on a pitch count once again as Kyle Tucker goes deep for the first solo shot of the World Series and the Astros go up one to nothing in the bottom of the second. But Ohio State's deep uh Ohio State's offense didn't look great when they stepped up in competition against Iowa's defense last week. CJ Stroud had some turnover worthy throws in that game. And now he's going against the best secondary he's seen all season. Like, if it was tough against Iowa, and I like Iowa's defense, but they don't have the secondary Penn State has. Penn State leads the nation this year in pass breakups. They have Joey Porter Jr. They have Kalen King. They're both top 10 right now in forced incompletions in the nation. They're both very highly ranked by Pro Football Focus. And James Franklin, who I can't stand, always plays Ohio State tough. He does. The reason I haven't played it yet, and the numbers tell me I have to play Penn State, is Sean Clifford, man. He makes some really dangerous throws. And if he turns the ball over two, three times and sets up Ohio State in good field position like Iowa did last week, there's a good chance Ohio State hangs like 50 points in this game. So I'm waiting on this one, but I might end up playing Penn State. And then I'm going to play Michigan State. Really small, plus 22 and a half. Trends play, man. You go back to 2005. Hey, it's Michigan State, Michigan. You're going to be at this game. It's always a close game. I know Michigan State looks like dump right now, but the one thing they can do is they could stop the run. You know what Michigan likes to do, run the football. Blake Corum's probably the best back in the nation. He's definitely top five. As long as they could keep him within, like, as long as Michigan doesn't explode for 300 rushing yards, I think they'll be all right. And since 2005, Michigan State, 12-5 and against the spread against Michigan, covering by just under a touchdown per game, hitting at a 70% clip. So we'll take Sparty in this one and root for a good game for you.